Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world. Broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world. Spreading the news and information. BlakeRadio.com. Music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. You're listening to Rainbow Soul from BlakeRadio.com. Greetings, 
and welcome to Topically Yours on the Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Soul, and I'm your host, Deirdre Schuler. Well, you know, the New York Times dubbed my guest today as a modern soul man. He certainly is someone who has brought the love back via his seventh solo album, Anatomy of a Love Song, which is the first release, I believe, from his music company, Sincere Soul Records. People tell me all the time that while rap is great, too much of a good thing can be, well, too much of a good thing. (laughs) They yearn for the music of the heart, for romance. Well, my guest today, Grammy Award-nominated Kenny Lattimore, touches our heart with For You and has woven a seamless balance between modern and classic R&B that is sure to soar to the top. Raised in Washington and born to a musical family, Kenny has music in his blood, and he is never too busy to go gold on R&B charts. Kenny will be appearing at Lehman Center for the Performing Arts in the Bronx on Saturday, March 26th at 8 p.m., and he'll be sharing the stage with Drew Hill and John B., so that's certainly going to be a dynamic dynamic and dynamite show. So get your tickets. Call the box office, the Lehman Center box office at 718-960-8833 or go online at www.lehmancenter.org. Well, I started the show with his single, You're My Girl, and that's part of his new album, Anatomy of a Love Song. But best of all, I have Kenny Latimer here to tell us more about himself and his latest album. Uh, Welcome to the show, Kenny. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, of course, and we're glad to have you here. (laughs) I I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I I, I read that that, that you played songs from Anatomy of a Love Song before a focus group. And that was to measure their reaction to the music. I was just interested to know, did you get similar reactions or different feedback from men than you did from women? Um, you know, it was very interesting. I, when I did the focus groups, I, I definitely did do that. Um, depending on what part of co- the country I was in, depending on age, um, sex, all of that, it was a, a different reaction, to be honest. Um I think that music is so powerful but so uh, objective because it's based on things that we've heard in the past, music that has affected our lives in various ways that we're attracted to certain types of sound. And uh, as a result, you definitely get different reactions from people. Um, Sometimes you walk into a room, excuse me, and you think that you're going to get a particular reaction because you see uh, people of color but then there are people of color that may listen to rock and roll or listen to alternative music that you're not thinking about. So the songs that they tend to gravitate to are completely different from what our mainstream uh, R&B audience would necessarily gravitate to. So uh, it's very interesting. You have to really survey your uh, people that you are conducting uh, your, your interviews and everything with just as much as um, 
they are being discriminative, uh, discriminating in terms of how they give back information to you. You have to understand who they are so that you're able to, to put everything in perspective. Now, depending on, excuse me, your critique, do you mm-hmm. alter the music or, or apply it to uh, your songs or in the future I decide, think it's okay? Initially, what I wanted to find out was if there was music that was appealing across the board. And there were certain songs that appealed across the board to almost every age group and um, and every person in general. And uh, when they would we would play the demo of the song, um, we still, again, would ask, what is your background? What is the thing that you like uh, to listen to on a daily basis? And then are you familiar with the Kenny Lattimore brand? And if you got a consistent reaction from people and you knew that they were not familiar with the brand or what have you, um, but it was still something about the melody of the song, or the music, we, we would really get as deep as possible to ask them what it was that appealed to them the most. And it was quite a fascinating process. It really was. We, we did the process in about four different states or four different cities, rather. Um, I remember being in Minneapolis. I remember being in Atlanta. I remember being in uh, Los Angeles. Um, I know it was another city that we um, that we did. Did you do the East in. Coast? Um, not all of the East Coast. I think for the East Coast, I kind of know the East Coast because that's where I'm from, Washington D.C. So I know the music that we love from really New York going all the way down. Um, but once you get into Atlanta, music is a little different. Uh, there are different things mm-hmm. that you gravitate to there. Los Angeles is different, and definitely Minneapolis is very different in that Midwest. There are other types of sounds and messages and different things that uh, those markets gravitate to. Well, now, when you get into the Bible Belt, that kind of helps you, your your gospel background, right? It, it sure can. Um, I were definitely doing a survey. I would go through North Carolina, definitely um, back into Atlanta, down in, um, into Birmingham, where I am right now, actually. Uh, I would definitely... Uh, Swing through. I know Texas is still, I think, a part of the Bible Belt as well, and Oklahoma. Uh, I would focus completely into into those areas. But um, for the love songs, I really felt like I uh, I probably appeal to those within the Bible Belt anyway, just as a person because I'm very lyric conscious, and uh, my music really um, has a, a very spiritual undertone because a lot of the Mm-hmm. Uh, the messages are really about real love, godly love, uh, the sacrifice of it, the purity of it. So I know that I kind of, you know, the music falls into that category as well. <laughs> well, it, it falls, in my opinion, because I listen to mm-hmm. all the songs on on, sure. on your your new album, and mm-hmm. it appeals to being human because it, it appeals ah, to the heart. You. Thank you very much. But you know, we're in a day and time where People are choosing music, people that are in control of uh, exposing music are choosing music based on research and numbers and things and advertising dollars and things that have nothing to do with the human experience to me with the exception that, oh, yeah, this thing that people are talking about could happen to somebody else. But a lot of the music that we're choosing to expose has nothing to do with um, with real passion. It has to do with um, lowest common denominator 
Um, we don't want people to think. We just want them to feel whatever we want them to feel. We want them to get whatever message we want them to get. I'm not used to that. I'm used to thinking about uh, subliminal suggestions. Um, I'm thinking about that or just major suggestions that if you're pumping something inside of somebody's head constantly, and you, you can try this with children, they begin to believe what they hear. There's something very powerful oh, yeah. about hearing the spoken word and music in particular because it puts it in rhyme and in scheme that allows it to be ingrained in our hearts, and it does affect us um, psychologically. I really, truly believe that spiritually oh, and psychologically. It's a mm-hmm. repetition that you yes. keep, uh, you know, you program. You're progr- programming. The You're programmed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I so like a, the so way you put it. It's a very delicate thing. I think it's, it's a responsibility that we as artists should have uh, when we're when we're making music. It's funny because if you go back in history, uh, particularly with a lot of the rappers that have gotten a lot of flack when they were younger, uh, do you think you're responsible? No, I'm no role model. I'm nothing. I'm a, until they had children. And I bet every last one of uh, the people that didn't feel that they were responsible for anything once they had children, they changed that whole mantra. They be, they became uh, or that whole idea uh, was thrown out of the window, and all of a sudden you find, you know, a lot of the rap artists in cartoons and and just doing other things that um, are more intellectually stimulating. Well, I personally find that there is too much violence, even in the cartoons now, that in yeah, the music and in the cartoons, and it's uh. It's a sad, sad state of being. But on a happier note, you're, you're, you have a son, and his birthday's coming do, up shortly, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, 12-year-olds are getting ready to have a teenager on my hands. <laughs> and it's so interesting. I, I, we had a talk last night because uh, I'm on the road. He's with his grandfather. Um, so when I'm on the road, he stays with my dad. And, um, and we're just doing some things, some personal things. We're moving and then just putting some things in place because he's almost – I'm going to be in high school, and I'm trying to figure out uh, where I want to be in that level because we haven't chosen his uh, high school yet. But uh, this is he's going to be going into his last year of middle school, and I was just teaching him about responsibility and about respecting authority no matter what. Even if you know more than that person of authority, how do you respect and balance that? Uh, and I was giving him an example uh, of some different things um, in, in this industry, I'm doing a play right now. And if the director comes to me. I was going to ask you about in, that. Head yeah, over heels? it's called Lo- Head Over Heels. Lolita Snipes is Head Over Heels. Because I've been uh, Head Over Heels is, I think, a title that's been used in some films and some other things. But Lolita Snipes' Head Over Heels has been a fantastic experience. It's a great departure from a lot of the concert stuff that I um, have going on, uh, just for some variety's sake in my life. But at the same time, I was telling him about when the director calls me. The director might say, get ready for a scene, and I might know that I have 10 minutes to get ready for the scene. But if the director says, I need you to get ready and go down into position, I need I have to go down into position. It doesn't matter whether I'm I'm not like, oh, I'm Kenny Lattimore, and you don't tell. I already know. I have 10 minutes. No, I respect authority, and I go into mm-hmm. position. I have to give him examples of what I have to go through. And I love being a dad, okay? I could go on and on and on about that. Um, I love being my son's dad uh, because there's so many things, I guess, about me that I see. It's like having a reflection of yourself and knowing well, that. Well, the, the nice you thing is you both share the same birthday. We do, yeah. So, in some ways, I look at him and I say, wow, he's a version of me that if, 
if I had the direction that I'm giving him, and not that my parents were not great. I loved my parents. I thought they were wonderful, but they divorced early. and A lot of things happened uh, to me personally that I really prayed and vowed would not happen to my son. And we have been very blessed that those negative things did not happen to him. And I watch his spirit just soar. I watch him in freedom uh, with other people, and, and he's very uninhibited. Um, there's so much, of course, to learn still because he's only thir- uh, turning 13. But he is just an, uh, a sponge and a very open book and unafraid of, of anything. That's that's wonderful. Where I turn, I was very shy as a result of the company that was around me, the people around me, and the things that had happened. So I, I just see him as this uh, great uh, ray of hope. I don't know who he's going to totally be, but I want him to be a great man. <laughs> well, does he have the music in him, or he's going absolutely. in another direction? He got it honestly from mom and dad, you know. <laughs> absolutely. He is uh, singing. He recorded his first song last year, last summer, and um, and just just experimenting in that. I, it's one thing I try not to influence him to do anything in particular except live in excellence. But what I what I have allowed him to do is explore every option of his life. So he's done acting. He's done at least three different sports, football, basketball. He's run track. He's gone to the Junior Olympics. And then when he sings, his, his godfather is a very renowned uh, vocal instructor in uh, Los Angeles, and he teaches everyone from Mary Mary to Beyonce to, to, to Katy Perry. Uh, and, and the list goes wow. on and on and on. So he has the opportunity to be around excellence, touch it, feel it, know what exists. That's that's my greatest experience with him is making sure he's exposed to uh to great things and, and uh and he's close enough to know that they're reality. Well is his instrument his voice only or does he play an instrument as well? He also plays uh saxophone and clarinet. Do he you also plays those two instruments? I didn't Do you play uh, an I didn't instrument? play I was not coordinated, uh, and it's not that I, I did play piano, but I, I played it enough for me to take my music theory classes and do well because I was a Maryland Distinguished Scholar for singing and, and doing um, classical music, actually. And uh, you had to sight sing and, and, uh, and understand uh, various aspects of music and music history things like that, and I had to be able to play piano. Uh, because <laughs> when you know the keyboard and play, and, and, and play the piano, I think it makes your um, your vocal gift even more perfected in understanding uh, scale and runs and different. It makes it gives you interesting choices uh, when you understand the keyboard. Oh, definitely. I, I want to ask you, though, do you, do you write, did you write any of the songs on your new album? Yeah, I actually wrote the song you just played. <laughs> oh, uh, you're my girl. Okay. You know, it's funny, but I wrote it from the standpoint every every song comes different differently. Um, you're my girl came as a music track to me initially, and when I heard the music, it just it took me back to my childhood. It reminded me of Marvin Gaye and Ron Isley somewhere in there, kind of mixed. Uh, or the guitar parts reminded me of the Isley Brothers, but something about the groove reminded me of You Sure Love to Ball by uh, Marvin Gaye, and I kind of combined all those thoughts together and came up with this idea of you're my girl, and um, I try to get some writing. I think I'm writing a little less these days, I have to admit, 
And I think that is because I've also had to become a different type of entertainment executive for my own sake. And uh, that's where the Sincere Soul Records has come from. Um, my touring company is called KL Entertainment Group. And um, in running those companies and understanding how to, to really brand myself and, and place myself in the industry for this new age with uh, technology and all of that, the focus has been different. But I try to make sure that every creative project I get some writing in. Well, what you said earlier about the profit orientation of uh, the executives that make the choices, is that why you decided, let me start my own company so that you can make your, your choices yourself? Absolutely. Uh, I, I was tired of music executives telling me to be like someone else. Um, I've been in this business. Uh, next year will be my 30th anniversary uh, in, the, in the music industry. And wow. um, this year is my 20th um, as a solo artist. And uh, I kind of know who I am. <laughs> so for well, somebody to just for marketing You grew into that, right? Say, I actually grew into that. But for marketing purposes, for somebody to say, well, you should probably do this or do that and, and try to make me into something completely different. I, it was in the process that um, I think people were confused about whether I would have success in this industry, um, and it had nothing to do with whether I could sing or not. I think it was based on what I chose to sing about, uh, the stance that I took lyrically to um, to sing positive music, coming from the church, feeling that I did have a responsibility that was birthed and born in me uh, from, from the spirit and from my intellect and um, and going forward. I think people just felt like, oh, we don't get it. We don't get it. Aren't black men, these thugs, aren't, aren't black men um, a little more one-dimensional than that? Aren't we just sex and thug? And I was a, a guy that was standing with only a few. I could probably count them on my hand that – that wasn't sending that message at the time that I came out. And um, it was a difficult time. I mean, it was a real difficult time. As much as I wanted to be celebrating making music, I also felt that I was being uh, just judged, again, as an African-American man and by people who were not African-American who were going to tell me how to be black. And then there were some black folks that kind of felt the same way. Okay, don't you, you should have this kind of vibe or that kind of vibe. So it was interesting to come out with a song like For You and talk about, you know, For You I Give a Lifetime of Stability and all of that. That wasn't quite the message that the industry was giving about black men at the time. So I'm sorry to get so deep with it, but this no, is I a, love a reality I, and a truth. You don't hear that kind of truth too often. and People try to walk the line, but it, it's good to hear because I'll tell you, people are starving for mm. romance. They are starving uh, I went and to I see that, and and, uh-huh. and the singers were romantic singers. The people uh-huh. were crowded in there. They could they had they couldn't even let the they told the people we can't let you in anymore. It's too crowded. Wow! But the people were wow. saying we miss this. We want yeah. this. We we're tired of rap. It's yeah, nice we, to have rap, we but not that, just always yeah. rap. And I and I love hip hop too, but um, and it's not hip hop in general. It is the executives who chose that this is what we're going to promote. This is what the people want. And it's like, okay, certain things may sell faster and people want to make money, and I understand that. 
but um, but I appreciate the fact that these audiences have grown with us. When a hip hop artist comes out and they and we all listen to Drake and we listen to but Drake is different. He has different messages too. But after they get finished listening to that, they still want romance. Love never goes out of style. They want diversity. Love and romance. Yes, they want I mean, diversity. You, you, you don't you don't get that club. much diversity. Absolutely, and we did. Not only did we get diversity in our messages, we got it in sound. We listened to rock. We listened to pop mm-hmm. country. We listened to all these different stuff. I'm singing classical music and then coming home and listening to Donny Hathaway and Stevie Wonder and, and um, Paul McCartney and David Bowie and whoever else. Because it was exposed to me, I could make the choice. Exactly. Well, we're in a day and age where people want to make the choice for us and tell us that we can only listen to one thing. And I could listen to hip-hop, too. And I'm all the way back from the beginning when it was Sugar Hill and Sequence and Grandmaster Flash and all that, all the way up to now with Kendrick Lamar and um, when Nas was was, was at the highest, his height. Well, he's still doing really phenomenal work now. And Kanye and whatever. I could get into all of that. But exactly, nowadays, but it's it's like, no, this is for the kids. If you're saying that this music is selling, well, if you only give them one thing to buy, of course it's selling. You have to give diversity, so that would sell, too, if you allow them to hear it. Absolutely. So that's what our fight is for now, and I I am able to even test that with my son, and I allow him to get involved in me making new music because I'm like, well, now this music has to appeal to a new generation. Now, he may like certain aspects about that 13, but when he's 25 and he's feeling in love and all of that, he's going to go back to dad's for you, and he's going to go and rediscover all of those other songs that talk about love and romance because that's where he's going to grow in his life uh, towards. So, Well, if you don't great, mind, great. I want to play another one of your songs. Sure. Uh, remix this heart. Okay, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I like it, so I picked it. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it.
God, you walk so mean. I'm always thinking about you. Think about you. Could have anything you want for me, girl, only if you do. It's hard to pinpoint what it is about you that captivates me most. And you're not the type to boast. With your bamboos rebox, you switch it up just like that. Ain't nothing to it. You do all of these girls attempt to. I know I could be infatuated, but if that is the case, then I don't wanna say. because that song kind of is, it reflects what we were talking about, you know, music reflecting time, but not having uh, us confound into one dimension. The classic and what we remember, the hip-hop and the earrings and the culture and the Reeboks and the whole thing is, is part of our lives. And kind of remixing that is just bringing it all to the new. So uh, thank you so much for, for this interview and, and giving me a voice to, to just get that out there and to um, to just talk about the things that are on my heart. I just appreciate, appreciate you. Well, you know, I, I want to also remind folks that you are going to be at Lehman Center for the Performing yeah. Art on March uh, 26th. That's Saturday, folks. Yes. So you want to go and get your tickets. Uh, uh, yeah. Use the number for the box office. 718-960-8833 or you can also go online at www.lehmancenter.org and guess what Kenny's not going to be alone he's sharing the stage <laughs> with Drew Hill and and John B have you, yeah, have you performed it's really with a them way before? I have interesting enough uh, Drew Hill and I used to do lots of work together when they first came out 20 years ago so we're really celebrating them and they're 20 years as a group. And um, we've, we've been around the world. Like in South Africa, we sang for Nelson Mandela's 80th birthday together. Wow. And uh, John B. and I actually worked on a television show together uh, several years back. So there's definitely a relationship there. We're all uh, artists that kind of came out around the same time period, so from the same era. Um, uh, it's, I, I just think it's going to be phenomenal. I just want people to definitely get your tickets and come out and check it out. Uh, we're definitely going to be celebrating, though. I know. I'm going to be there. I'm definitely <laughs> going to check it out. Awesome. Now, uh, well, we look forward to There was a time that you, uh, you took a hiatus. And, you know, I've interviewed other uh, artists who at some point became disillusioned with the music business. And they yes. drove buses and became secretaries or whatever they did until the mm-hmm. the music called them back. And you mm-hmm, took a hiatus mm-hmm. for a while. Good for you. What what did you do while you were on hiatus? Well, I still performed uh, from time to time, and I just took care of my son. 
I raised my son. I was in the classroom with him, uh, grading papers and going on field trips. And uh, I did not initially intend on taking a seven-year hiatus, I have to admit. Um, you know, initially it was just like, oh, yeah, I love this. You know, I'm here. I want to be here for my son. But after a while, the importance of that and, the, you know, the significance of me being there outweighed everything else. And when I looked back, I I really I realized I didn't have the desire to do another album. And it took uh, Carvin Hagens, who produced um, several songs on this album. He was the catalyst for this Anatomy of a Love song. And he... Uh, said, we need your voice. And uh, he's a super producer, music soul child, Jill Scott, Jaheem. He's produced you know, tons of artists. And uh, he said, we need your voice. And I thought, well, this is my boy talking to me. Thanks, Carr. But he went a step further and he said, no, I have some songs that I want you to check out and I want you to try. Uh, because I, I wasn't sure what was Kenny Lattimore going to sound like in 2016. What was I going to sound like in 2017? And he says, I got an idea for you. And he played me a song called Find a Way. And that began the whole process. Wow. And were you a little, uh, I wouldn't say insecure because you've been in the business a long time coming back, but this this is your re- uh, return, right, this, this, this album? This album is like a return. Um, and I have to say, no, when I started, I, I was a little intimidated. I was intimidated because uh, people may not realize it, but, no, I was told that I wasn't a lot of things in my career, um, that I wasn't that great, that I wasn't this, I wasn't that. And as much as I am a very positive person, a very secure person in general, um, there is no way that you can listen to anything like that and it not affect you in some way. Of course. Um, it's, like the, it's, it's like for most artists, if we're online and everybody, a million people tell us we're the greatest thing since sliced bread, and one person or two people come and they say, no, we hate your music, it still affects you, or it can, if you allow it to get into an emotional place. So uh, I had heard just a lot of things. I really did over the years. And and, um, and I um, and I realized that I had to walk away from those things and not embrace them, and I had the power to do that. I had the power to let things go and think about who I really was and not allow some strangers who want, sometimes people want a reaction because they want to take your brand and have you make them famous by responding to foolishness or or just putting them in a close uh, uh, position of respectability with regard to your conversation. And uh, and I refuse to do that. Um, But I did think about the market and what, the younger singers were doing. And the only thing I could tell Carvin was, I don't want to pretend that I'm 19 years old. I Mm -hmm. want to appeal to everybody, but I don't want to pretend I'm 19 years old. And he was the greatest because he was like, nope, and we're not even going to ask you to do that. It's enough of us out here that have money that spends, and we'll go to the concert, we'll buy dinner, we'll work in people. We have expendable income. (laughs) And he's like, no, we're going to give you something that's hot, that's modern, but um, and it's, and it's not old school necessarily. So even when I'm making the comment about remixing my old school, it's an it's a fresh way and approach to um, recording now. It's being authentically you. Absolutely, authentically me. Absolutely, that's the best way to put it. And I want to just ask you, um, and this might 
be a little touchy. I don't know. But, uh, you know, only two people know what goes on in a relationship. I mean, outsiders mm-hmm. can surmise, but only mm-hmm. two people invest in one another. And mm-hmm. when you separated, or well, not separated, but when your marriage ended, there mm-hmm. had to be a healing period, correct? Oh, absolutely, do, absolutely. Do you feel now that, that at this stage of your life you would remarry again? Absolutely, I sure would. Um I think God knows I'm not ready right now. And um, and the only way that I can even attest to that is um, there are times when I feel lonely, like, oh, you know what? Oh. And then there are times when it's like a reality check. I have to kind of wake up and think about the sacrifice because when I'm in a relationship, I'm all in. I'm not like, oh, halfway. I go in. I serve in my relationship. And regardless of whatever the stories are, um, the truth, the true stories, anybody would tell you that I served in my marriage and I tried to use it even to benefit others. And um, I'm the type of man that <laughs> if you walk through the house and you go, a light bulb is out, you don't have to mention it again because it's going to be done. It's going to be fixed or, you know, a little Women something love that. Is, is here or, there. Uh, or, you know, on the business and I handle business and make sure that things are running smoothly and on it. Some of it is just a gift and how I'm made. And then some of it is part of the effort that's put in. Um, so it's one of those things that I know I'm built for a relationship because uh, a lot of more men. I look at my father, I look at my cousins, my uncles, and, and a lot of more men. We tend to be relationship guys. So that's just a reality for me. So absolutely, I would, I would try it again. But uh, I really pray that I don't take my new relationship through um, anything unnecessary in the process of making the decision, because I think that's what happens when kind of devastated by um, divorce and things like that. You make another person kind of jump through a lot of hoops or or what have you. But when I started dating again and I heard um, just out of a woman's mouth, you know what, you're an amazing guy. Or, oh, my gosh, you're so sweet. There were so many things that – Simple things that don't seem like they would be that much, but simple things that I needed, the affirmation, specifically from a woman's voice after you've been torn down by a woman. You want to be appreciated. You want to be appreciated. And when you hear somebody tear you down and the the world witnessed me being torn down by a black woman, that's a tough thing. It's a tough thing that I never thought would ever happen in my life Um not only was the stuff not true, I think there was a lot of careful things that were said and approached for the ratings of this television show. And I think in the end, the object, the object was to get me to go on the television show. And so it was like, let's go at him, go at him, go at him till, until he needs to be vindicated or feels like he needs to be vindicated. And I never felt like I needed to be vindicated. I felt like I always knew who I was. And when you really get down to the, the uh, about when you start thinking about love, you want to surround yourself with people who love you. You don't want to surround yourself with people who are just in for the hype and all of that. And I realized that as long as I surrounded myself with the right people, I could get checked. If I was out of line, I'd easily get checked. That's that's an easy one because I'm a man of integrity, just period. Your family. Who's going to tell you and, about yeah, your family? 
Exactly. Your family and your and real you friends. Have some really, really close friends, absolutely, mm-hmm. that will tell you everything else. And I found out that I lived in Hollywood. And in Hollywood, there's a lot of people faking a lot of things. And there's some mm-hmm. people who I never cut off. I just stopped communicating with because they were not healthy people. And, um, and my relationship was not healthy because I wasn't with a person that was truly healthy within themselves. So that really is the deeper lining of it. It wasn't that she was a bad person, but there are people who are insecure and have gone through things themselves that they're not really ready to deal with. And Well, if you, in your new choice, would you, would you pick somebody in, in the business or someone outside the business? Probably not. Business, or it doesn't you know, and matter. it's that kind of thing, whereas at one point I would have been completely open. And if another singer came to me, I'm, I would probably date an actor because I, I did date some actors after um, the divorce. But if it were a singer, that's a problem for me now because mm-hmm. of the residue. So I'm not saying that it would not work or that I wouldn't have that happen, but I know that it would be a process of me really um, cleansing myself from old things because there are things that are not at the forefront of my mind right now about the relationship that would surely come up once I started a new one. There are different things that, that trigger, oh, a trigger a memory, and you're like, oh, no, 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 don't, don't even talk to me like that. Or, or no, 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 don't, um, no, don't approach me in this manner. This, I'm, I'm not really feeling this or that. And those things only come up when you're right in those situations and you kind of take another look at who you are and what you have truly been healed from and what you have not been healed from. And then some things it's not even a matter of healing. Some things you're just not going to tolerate again. Well, you know what? I, I, I think that when you have an honest relationship, you're not afraid to tell each other what you really think. And sometimes when you're in a relationship and you want, you want to impress, not impress that person, but get along. You let yes. things slide that shouldn't slide, but you do anyway. Yeah. And I think maybe some of that I I definitely fostered um, and learned from, which was really awesome, is that, yeah, you learn that some things, um, you know, so then I'm a person who from the outside people say, oh, he's really like, like he's really nice. But I'm also not a person who is a pushover. But if you think that nice people are pushovers, you're going to get me wrong and you're going to go into a relationship with me thinking that I'm going to react to you a certain way or be a certain way. And I'm extremely laid back. We don't have to do it my way. We can explore your way. We can go left. Oh, yeah, I'm one of those people that's an adventure person. But when I don't want to go left and I'm ready to go right, I'm going to let you know that. And I don't want in my relationship, my my next relationship, my woman to be shocked. I want her to appreciate the fact that, oh, no, when he's when he's not going to go left, he's not going to go left, you know, <laughs> as opposed to, see, some people get caught up in what they think is control. Well, do you and think there's a spirituality in your, in, in your music? That as, you, as we Absolutely. get to a certain point in our lives, we start asking ourselves, who are we? Who am I and, and what am I here for? Does, yeah. does that... I feel that touches your music somehow. I had to ask God why I was still doing this. I really did. And, you know, I prayed and spent some time really thinking about it until I was like, I want to write out a mission, and I want to be able to live out the mission of this mission statement. And um, mm-hmm. what God gave me back was your music legacy has always been to sing to the hearts of women 
and to the minds of men to encourage them in love. And um, as a result of that being my mission, not only do I believe in love and marriage and believe that I'll do it again, I'm on platforms advocating for for marriage and uh, for relationships. Um, even though I'm not in one right now, uh, I mm-hmm. still uh, advocate for that. Well, I'm sure when she comes, you'll know her. I'll know her. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I do well, believe it. Well, is that. there anything I haven't asked you, uh, Mr. Lattimore, that uh, you would like to mention, like where people can get your album for one thing? I, I saw it on wow. Amazon.com. Absolutely. It's on Amazon. I know a lot of us like to get an actual CD, so Amazon might be a, a wonderful place to, to get a physical CD, uh, but it's definitely available on iTunes. You can download it. Um, and the links to Amazon, all that, if you go to KennyLattimore.com uh, and you want to purchase, there is a, uh, some, some buttons you can click on there. I know you just see it if you go to the various categories for um, purchases and things, and uh, you, can, you can get the CD very easy. Um, and if you come and see a Kenny Lattimore show, you know, look on KennyLattimore.com and see where I'm going to be performing. And not only will you see me perform, but I'll come out and we will have physical CDs on sale. I'll autograph them for you and take pictures and all that good stuff. And I also want to mention one more time to the listening audience, they need to go to the box office if they want to see this hot, hot show. Or you can call 718-960-8833. Or go online at www.leanincenter.org to get your tickets. And that is for March 26th, Saturday, March 26th. It's going to be the 20th anniversary of of Drew Hill featuring Kenny Lattimore and John V. So make sure you get your tickets. And I want to thank my listening audience for making my topic topically yours. And now I'm going to end the show with Kenny Lattimore's song, Love Me Back.
Today was Kenny Lattimore on the Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Souls.